Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. Today's poll question at Smirconish.com asks the following. Why did Donald Trump hold or withhold government documents? What was his motivation? It's it's something that I've been wondering about for quite some time and, and today have great reason to want to make uh, the poll question at Smirconish.com. What was his motivation? Was it for sale? Was it for blackmail? Was it for ego? Or is it some other category? TC said to me, what are you implying by other? And I said, I don't know. Yeah, what it's were you a, thinking? Like every time I have well, a multiple. What else could there be? Whenever there's a multiple choice poll question, it seems that callers then call and they suggest things. And I'm like, damn it. I wish I'd thought of that. So I have no idea what other motivation. But I know you will have some idea as to his motivation. A pair of recommended readings for today on the subject of the Mar-a-Lago search warrant. The first is in the New York Times. Alan Fuhr and Glenn Thrush have an analysis. Trump request provided U.S. with opening. Here's the short version, and I agree with this. By, By pushing this idea of a special master, which I regard as former President Trump's delay tactic, You know, someone who needs to get involved and take a look at the documents, what should be handed over, are there matters of executive privilege, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All I think he wants to do is run out the clock, extend this beyond the midterm elections and give him the additional opportunity to announce his candidacy for president without a cloud of indictment. And I recommend, as I did yesterday, that you take the time and read the 36 pages that comprised the government's response to Trump's request that there be a special master involved. Because Trump, as the Times points out, he opened the door and gave them a justification to now air the dirty laundry in public in terms of what was going on in the negotiations between Trump and his representatives, the archives, and the DOJ. Like now, the whole story is told, including that photograph, that I knew when I saw it would be a picture worth a thousand words because now you see all of these documents that say top secret, et cetera, et cetera. And it kind of brings home in that image the issues that we haven't been able up until now to, to wrap our heads around. Okay, so that is story number one that I recommend. Story number two is David Vondrail in the Washington Post who asks, what if Trump's pile of papers is nothing more than a prop? Here's the lead, and then I'm going to welcome a special guest. Some tall tales have been raised by former President Donald Trump and his apologists to explain the presence of classified government documents among Trump's things at his Florida resort, Mar-a-Lago. The most plausible explanation comes from former White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham, 
who stopped apologizing for her old boss on the afternoon of January 6, 2021. Grisham noted that Trump simply has a thing for paper, heaps of it. The more jumbled, the better. He even hauled boxes of assorted materials with him when he traveled on Air Force One. Quote, there was no rhyme or reason. It was classified documents on top of newspapers, on top of papers, people printed out of things they wanted him to read. The boxes were never organized, said Grisham. He'd want to get work done on long trips, so he'd just rummage through the boxes. And that was our filing system. Stephanie Grisham, of course, was White House Press Secretary to President Donald Trump and is the author of the New York Times bestselling book, I'll Take Your Questions Now. Hey, Stephanie, thanks so much for coming back to the program. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So talk to me about his personal habits as they include just accumulating stuff, paper. Yeah, (laughs) He, you know, we have these these cardboard boxes, and I would say um, on average at any one time, there were three to four boxes um, in his private dining room off the Oval Office, just um, as, as you read, um, the quote I had, just filled with random items. And he would just, you know, if he had a few spare minutes or he was bored and watching TV, he'd just start going through some of these boxes. Um the most I ever saw was 15 boxes, and that was on a trip to Asia, because uh, I remember specifically everybody being like, oh, my gosh, there's 15 boxes for this trip, just because it's a lot of boxes for people to lug around of paper. Um, yeah, so he just he had the boxes all the time. He doesn't strike me, though, as a reader. I mean, they say that his, his PDB, his presidential daily briefing, uh, is usually verbal, because if they give him something in writing, he's, he's not going to get through it. Well, yeah, I think that, I mean, that was part of the, the beauty of the boxes in that they were so randomly filled. You know, there again, you never knew what he was going to pull out of there. And I think that he enjoyed being able to kind of rummage through and pull something out until he found something he liked and could, could hold his attention for a minute. But then, you know, if he got bored of, of whatever he was looking at, he, he'd pull something else out. It was constantly changing. He was always going through these boxes and then... Um, he would either throw stuff on the floor, meaning he was done with it, or he would just start a new pile on his desk after he had read it. And sometimes he would have articles and he would sign them and then he'd give them to people and be like, hey, make sure, you know, whoever gets this. Um, he would even sign things and have them sent over to the East Wing for Melania. So it was just a very random habit that he had. I've seen photographs. I was never in his Trump Tower office. I don't know if if you ever had that opportunity. But materials like you've described with him as a president stacked high on his desk and just a lot of ephemera, maybe business documents, but also, you know, Shaquille O'Neal's sneaker size, whatever it was, 18 or or 20. But he, he just seemingly likes to have a lot of, well, I'll use the Washington Post word props around for whatever reason. Yeah, that was his private dining room off the Oval. Um, it was just tons of stuff, newspapers, but then also gifts that he would like that people would send. Um, there was a painting of of him with some former president sitting around a poker table um, that somebody seen had that. sent. So, what's that? I said I've I've seen that. That's like that that oh. it's, it's the takeoff of the dog picture, right? Like the dogs yes, playing yes. poker, and, and and I love the dogs, but now it's presidential faces. Correct. So he had that, um, but that's how his private dining room was, just full of of stuff. So 
What do you think the motivation was? You're obviously following this story very closely. What do you think the motivation was for hanging on to the stuff at Mar-a-Lago that is now causing him such legal fits? You know, at first, I really did kind of think um, that it was just stuff that had probably made it into the boxes haphazardly. Stuff had been, you know, buried and perhaps nobody really knew. But once I saw the photograph, I, I just... I I mean, my short answer is I don't know. I don't know if it's for ego, as you said earlier, or if it's for potentially, I don't know, another country. Maybe he just wanted to save it just in case. I mean, if you think about it, he's hosted the Saudi golf tournament, and I hear he's about to do another another event with the Saudis. So I don't know is my short answer, but um, I can't imagine now that I saw that picture that that stuff was in there by accident. Maybe one or two. But not not that amount and not that level of uh, security. Do you, do you um, think it's that, within the realm scary. of possibility that it was for blackmail purposes? Do you think he kept anything to have one over on somebody? I, it's hard to say. I mean, it depends on what was in there. Sure, anything's possible with Donald Trump. It is. Um, I like to believe he just isn't that organized, but, you know... If there were if there were embarrassing details about a world leader that he didn't like, say Trudeau or Macron, he didn't like either of them. So if there were some embarrassing details, perhaps. Um, but that's going to, I think, remain a mystery until we figure out what the information was. I do believe some of it was probably just to show off, which is frightening. Um, and the fact that stuff was in his desk drawer, to me, shows that, it had been some stuff had been out and about and, and used or shown off already shown off like, hey, check out this Kim Jong Un letter. Look what he said to me. Correct. Which he used to do that all the time with those letters. I mean, oh, my gosh, in the White House, that was just a constant thing. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, you know, perhaps old uh, military operations. I could see him thinking those were cool and showing showing stuff like that to people. Um, potentially maps that makes me nervous of where certain assets are. I could see him thinking that was cool to just show to people. He doesn't, he doesn't think to himself that, you know, people will walk away and tell another 10 people what they just saw. He just thinks it's cool. And, you know, he likes to, it'll stroke his ego to show those things off. Look, I know when you leave me and I open the telephone lines, there will be people who will be saying that I'm minimizing this, that I'm normalizing this by trying to get inside his head and simply ask the question, why? Um, But I'm intrigued by it. And what occurs to me is this is a guy, you obviously know him better than the rest of us, but this is a guy who would put up in some of his golf clubs fake Time Magazine cover stories showing his image, despite the fact that he's been on the cover of Time Magazine. I always wondered, like, why the hell didn't he go with the real one instead of creating a fake one, you know, on the boardwalk at the Jersey Shore or wherever he got it? Um, I'm not normalizing it and I'm not defending it, but it it makes sense when I read your interview in the Post that it's just his personality. He likes having all this crap around and showing it to people and and trying to impress them with his props. It's true. And I I actually don't think, you know, I don't think you're minimizing anything at all. And in fact, you know, I've said this over and over, that sense of ego and in this situation especially could literally get people killed. You know, I've been racking my brains trying to express to people why this is important and why this is a big deal, because I've seen so many of my fellow Republicans saying, oh, it's just pieces of paper. 
those pieces of paper could potentially literally get people killed. You know, I keep telling people that right now, this very moment, there are people all over the world and in this country doing things for us um, to keep us safe. And, you know, people think just paper. There's a lot of information on, on those pieces of paper about where assets are, both human and military, um, that foreign governments would do anything to get their hands on. So it is a very, very big deal. Um, and the fact that it's his ego almost makes it another level of sick. Hey, Stephanie, read the tea leaves for me, uh, just in terms of what his response has been to this directly through Truth Social or through spokespeople. How worried do you think your former boss is that he's about to get indicted for all of this? I think he's worried. I don't I, I don't know how he can't be, but also the fact that the messaging has been so very sloppy and make no mistake, we weren't exactly great at messaging uh, before in the White House. But this time, you know, he usually will find a message and stick with it and double, triple, quadruple down on it, no matter what. The fact that the messaging keeps changing first, it was planted, you know, this everything was taken by surprise. Um, he's a former president. He declassified everything, you know, all of these messages changing, I think, He's nervous. This isn't like him to have his message change so much. Hey, thanks so much for coming back. The book, by the way, is great. I'll take your questions now. I loved the title. It had a couple of different meanings and uh, appreciate your time as always. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Stephanie Grisham is the former White House press secretary. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. I want to point out that Marcy Wheeler was here yesterday 
She blogs at Empty Wheel. And in the third hour of the program, we were breaking down the legal documents that surround the Mar-a-Lago search, those that have been put into uh, public display. I thought she was excellent. I thought she had such a granular level of knowledge. And on this very subject, I can't help but think that maybe she saw today's poll question in social media and decided she would weigh in. So FWIW, for what it's worth, I think we're going to end up learning that Trump stole classified docs for a variety of motives, something like stuff in the leather box, he took his trophies. Stuff in the desk drawer involves cover-ups. Stuff in the bomb shelter is stuff he wants to leak. So that's her explanation. I didn't give you all those choices. On that uh, Glenn Thrush and Alan Fuhr analysis, the one that I said before chatting it up with Stephanie asks the, uh, the question of, you know, why did Trump hold on to the documents and why would he have sought the inclusion of a special master knowing that there would be a government response from DOJ that would allow them to do exactly what they did, which was to lay out the whole chronology from their perspective as to what was going on in these negotiations. Let me give it to you quickly, if I may. First of all, from the Trump perspective, Mr. Trump's lawyers said that in May, the former president voluntarily accepted a grand jury subpoena seeking documents still in his possession that bore classification markings. One month later, according to the lawyer's account, Mr. Trump met with a top federal prosecutor and three FBI agents who had gone to Mar-a-Lago to pick up the materials demanded by the subpoena. Greeting them in the dining room of his estate, Mr. Trump assured the men that he was there to help. Whatever you need, the papers quoted him as saying, let us know. In its filing on Tuesday, the Justice Department took issue with this obliging portrait of the former president offering a cinematic picture of how Mr. Trump and his legal team had stymied efforts to retrieve the documents. When the delegation from the Justice Department arrived at Mar-a-Lago on June 3rd, one of Mr. Trump's lawyers handed over a single red weld envelope double wrapped in tape explaining that the records inside had come from a storage room. Another lawyer, identified as Christina Bob, according to people familiar with the matter, signed a certification letter swearing that a, quote, diligent search had been conducted and that all the classified materials on the property had been turned over. Parenthetically, I tell you, she may have a problem uh, legally as a result of that. But when the delegation tried to visit the storage room, the filing said one of the lawyers explicitly prohibited officials from opening or looking into any of the other boxes there. That, the filing said, stopped them from confirming that no materials with classification markings had been left behind. Investigators soon discovered evidence, possibly from interviews with witnesses, that classified documents remained at Mar-a-Lago. Eventually, the filing said the Justice Department came to believe that the government records had likely been, quote, concealed and removed from the storage room and that efforts may have been taken to obstruct the government investigation, unquote. It was that belief, it seems, that led to the search of Mar-a-Lago on August 8, as the Justice Department bluntly pointed out, when the FBI descended on the property, agents discovered over twice the number of classified documents that Mr. Trump's lawyers had handed over as a result of their quote-unquote diligent search in June, including three that were found not in the storage room, but in desks in the former president's office. 
So they said, we've got nothing else. And when the feds finally went in, what do they find? Twice as much stuff as they'd voluntarily handed over during the previous interaction. Why? Why did he bring this all on himself? For sale? For blackmail? For ego? or for some other reason that I've not been able to identify. That's the poll question. Many have already voted. Go to Smirconish.com, cast your ballot. Let me go to Cleveland and say hello to Don. Don, go ahead and get into his mind. What are you thinking? Yeah, thanks, Mike, taking my call. I think I'm in in the other category. I voted in the other, and I think it's part of a, a, a two-step kind of reasoning. The first step is I just think he has a disdain or or doesn't care about quote little laws little laws being such as the hash hatch act or the presidential records those are just nuisance laws as far as he's concerned and just doesn't have any respect for him and so he just thought it was perfectly fine to take for whatever reason he might add but then the longer term reasoning is has to deal with the whole notion of right away from the beginning of his um, of tearing down the institutions and slowly working kind of the old frog in the hot water thing, tear down these smaller laws, these smaller institutions, and then if and when he gets to a second <clears throat> in, um, term, really attack the big ones and to ultimately to where he can just ignore the de- uh, Department of Justice. Maybe so it's, it's the more... Yeah, I get it. Maybe Excuse it's me? the more that they told him they needed the things back, they wanted them returned, the more he just dug in, not because those documents had value to him, but simply because he's antagonistic. I, I you know, I don't know. The the 36-page government filing, which I recommend people read, makes very clear that the government was, you know, firm, I think fair and consistent. Telling the same story. You have materials they don't belong to you. They belong to the government. We'd like them back. They gave him every considerable opportunity to return them. Maybe they could have gone back to court before executing a search warrant. But it should have come as no surprise to Trump that the government was going to do something. What I don't see, and maybe it's impossible now to know, is, you know, was there some personal value of any of this to him? I am not a hoarder, like my good friend, veteran criminal defense attorney, William J. Brennan. He is a collector. But I do possess materials that I hold on to. I mean, I've gone through the whole KonMari phase, but I'll give you an example. Stupid example, but I'll tell it to you. Mm. So Mark Halpern in Wide World of News recently made reference to the PP&K, the punt, pass, and kick. Yes. And I competed and won a couple of those. we've discussed. When I was a kid. Okay, but the part that I think blew Halpern away (laughs) was when I said, hey, I appreciate, you know, me to him. I appreciated the PP&K reference. Him to me, oh, yeah, you know, did you, I'm like, did I compete? Yeah, and then I sent him, I did this, I sent him a photograph, (laughs) and I was able to do it within three minutes of of a 10-year-old, meaning I was 10-year-old, when I won this trophy. Is that trophy in my stuff at home, it is. <laughs> and maybe I should be embarrassed about that, but it it means something to me. That's fine. But what I'm trying to say is I don't get the feeling that any of that stuff spread out on the carpet at Mar-a-Lago really matters to him. I think the government says we need it back, and then Trump's response is like, F you, I'm not giving it back. It's mine. It's because you want it. If you tell me you don't want it back, I'm giving it to you. Typical male. Just because, yeah, I think there's there's some of that going on, right? 
This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. We'll start in Conshohocken, Pennsylvania with Jordan. Jordan, relative to Trump holding on to all this material, you wanted to say what? Yeah, hi. I, I wanted to say, first off, I am very troubled by all these classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. But I'm also troubled by the constant double standard. And so I asked sarcastically after the raid at Chappaqua. You know, what did we learn in the che- for congressional briefings about the dangers to our assets overseas from all of the classified information held at Hillary Clinton's home in New York? And, of course, the answer is none of that ever happened with Hillary. And so the first thing the FBI did with Hillary was grant, grant immunity to everyone involved. And yet raids are held for Donald Trump. And so I'm, I'm just troubled by similar transgressions of high government officials with classified documents and a very different treatment depending if they have a D or an R next to their name. So I think it's totally fair to talk about what went on in the Clinton case. Is it an apples? uh, Thank you, Jordan. Is it an apples to apples comparison? I read something that was uh, compelling on this issue. It was Aaron Blake at The Washington Post who wrote about it. I can't quote from it, but he went through, you know, the elements of the case against Hillary and why didn't Comey end up prosecuting her? And how does that compare to the situation with Donald Trump? And at the top of the list was the intent question. Did she have the intention of willful mishandling classified information? Uh, 
had she intended to obscure her emails and Comey had concluded that that clearly intentional and willful mishandling of classified information was something that had been a part of that case. In the Trump situation, it's absolutely there as well. I think in terms of the 36 page document that I made reference to a moment ago where he was given every opportunity and stonewalled them and then had a lawyer who said, we don't have anything else here. So I I don't mind having the conversation about what went on there, what went on here. I think his is probably, as it's being presented, more egregious than hers. That's my view. Glenn, you're in South Florida. Quickly, what did you most want to say? Hey, Michael, how are you? Hi. Hey, uh, listen, a couple of comments. You know, with Trump, we have to know already that follow the money. The guy is in financial trouble um, he's trying to do a deal with his media company that is right now on the rocks, worth billions of dollars. Um, you know, I, I don't put it past him that he was trying to, sell, you know, get money for those documents. I really think that's the issue. It's always money with Trump. I'd like to know more about we'd all like to know more about each particular document and then try and say, OK, how could this have yeah. provided value? Could this have provided value to sell it, to blackmail somebody, to just, you know, give him his jollies? Yeah. I mean, I don't know the yeah. answer to it. I, I also say something else. I remember. There, well, I, well, Glenn, I want to say something ahead, about that. There were a series of stories that were written before the 2020 election that said that Donald Trump, this was in the context of his tax returns and his personal financial situation, that Donald Trump was in a perilous position because he was personally on the hook for a lot of debt that was right, going to right. come due within the, right. the second term, if you will. I I don't right. know what happened to that issue. I mean, I, I can't right. believe the debt went away. So I don't know. But I think it's you know, it's legitimate. I think it's legitimate to at least raise it. Tim, you're in Boston, Massachusetts. Hi. First of all, I love the I love the um, the poll question. However, I would remove ego and replace it with stupidity, because I think what he's doing is he's playing the George Costanza game of opposites, and it just seems like every time he turns around. It's black, it's white, it's white, it's black. And the last thing I'll say is it seems like with what his attorneys have done of late is he's out-Trumped himself. He's walking back into his own lie. The opposite routine has served him very well over the years. You know, when, when you think about, I don't know, when I think about uh, when he was on that stage with Frank Luntz at the outset of the campaign and John McCain's name comes up and and what do we all do? We we praise McCain or anybody else who was a prisoner of war for their service. And he went in the total different opposite direction and said that he, you know, he respects those who don't get caught. Like, wow. And we and I'll speak for myself like like like, well, that's it. He's done. No, he wasn't. People seem to appreciate that. Yeah. And that's I think that's the thing that troubles me about what's going on right now is that it's almost like people just want to believe alternative. I mean, the fake, it's almost like he's called fake media, fake media, and he's turned media into a, a thing that you can't believe because you're not sure. And before I don't know it, it, but kind I, of like you listen to it and you were like, eh, it's probably right. I don't know if the people who are standing with him necessarily believe it. I'm, I'm increasingly of the opinion that they, they, they detest those who oppose him 
So it's it's like their their hatred for fill in the blanks, uh, Pelosi, the squad, the liberal media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is such that anybody who's fighting those forces, they're on their side. Hey, I misspoke a moment ago, I think. Maybe I did and maybe I don't, but let me be very clear. Comey found a lack of one of the requisite elements to prosecute Hillary. This was, uh, I think, in violation of the Espionage Act, which requires clearly intentional and willful mishandling of classified information. He didn't have, he said, sufficient evidence of her having intentionally and willfully mishandled classified information. And when I said, when you look at Trump and look at the government narrative of the back and forth that was going on, I think you come to a different conclusion about him, that he did have the requisite intent. I hope I didn't mistake that, but maybe now it's clear. The Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.